This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Several EU foreign ministers called for fresh sanctions against Iran over its transfer of kamikaze drones to Russia. Russian forces are believed to have used 28 Iranian-made Shahed-136 drones to attack Kyiv, Ukraine's capital, on Monday, killing four people. Separately, a Russian fighter plane crashed into a residential building in the southern Russian city of Yeysk after suffering engine failure, also leaving four dead. Jeremy Hunt, Britain's new Chancellor of the Exchequer, reversed almost all the remaining tax measures made in his predecessor's, quote, mini-budget three weeks ago. The basic rate of tax will remain at 20% indefinitely, and the scope of a cap on the price of energy will now be reviewed next April. These measures signal the end of the Prime Minister's signature economic policies, leaving Liz Truss in a perilous political position. The S&P 500 climbed by 2.7% on Monday. Investors took heart from a stronger-than-expected earnings report by Bank of America. Quarterly revenue rose by 8% year-over-year, while profits declined by 8% at America's second-largest bank. Higher rates are a boon for banks, which make money on the spread they can charge between the cost of borrowing funds and lending them out. At BOA, this net interest income was up by 24%. America's Justice Department recommended that Steve Bannon be ordered to serve six months in prison and pay a $200,000 fine when he is sentenced by a judge on Friday. In July, the former advisor to Donald Trump was convicted of contempt of Congress for ignoring subpoenas from the January 6th committee. Quote, His non-compliance has been complete and unremitting, prosecutors wrote. Shehan Karunna Tilika, a Sri Lankan writer, won the Booker Prize for his novel The Seven Moons of Mali Almeida, a biting satire set during the Sri Lankan Civil War. The book follows a gay, gambling-addicted photojournalist trying to make sense of his own murder. The committee said it, quote, dissolves the boundaries not just of different genres, but of life and death, body and spirit, East and West. Japan's Prime Minister, Kishida Fumio, ordered an official inquiry into the Unification Church, a cult-like religious group. The group attracted scrutiny after the assassination of former Prime Minister Abe Shinzo. The family of the man accused of killing him was linked to the church, and it was later revealed that almost half of Mr Abe and Mr Kishida's Liberal Democratic Party had some contact with it as well. The Swedish parliament voted for moderate party leader Ulf Kristersson to become their next prime minister. He will lead a right-wing bloc supported by the Sweden Democrats, a populist party. While the far-right party will not have any seats in cabinet, they have negotiated major changes in government policy, including a cut to Sweden's refugee quota. And fact of the day, 60% the drop in Meta's share price since it rebranded, wiping out half a trillion dollars in its market value. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. How to defeat kamikaze drones 
America's Army plans this week to publish a request to weapons manufacturers for better technologies to defeat loitering munitions known as kamikaze or suicide drones. Recent Russian attacks on Ukraine with an Iranian-made drone, the Shahed-136, including deadly volleys launched at Kyiv on Monday, have shown just how destructive they can be. The Shahed, martyr in Persian, is not exactly stealthy. Ukrainians call them, quote, flying mopeds. Ukraine claims its armed forces have shot down 75% of the drones launched by Russia during this war. Some have even been destroyed with small arms. But kamikaze drones are relatively cheap and so continue to be used often. America's Joint Counter-Small Unmanned Aircraft Systems Office, JCO, will issue the request for better countermeasures. The systems should be able to stop kamikaze drones that weigh between 25 and 600 kilograms. Defense contractors must meet what one JCO official has called, quote, an aggressive timeline. They aim to finish testing the kit within a year. Proposals with lasers and microwave jammers are expected. Netflix is swayed by advertising. Quote, there's not easy money there, said Reed Hastings, Netflix's boss, explaining in 2020 why the world's biggest streaming service would avoid the advertising business. So why will Mr. Hastings spend an earnings call on Tuesday telling investors that, in fact, advertising is just what Netflix needs? The company's recent share performance explains the U-turn. In 2020-21, when Netflix added 40 million subscribers amid COVID-19 lockdowns, the company's stock soared. But this year, subscriptions have stalled and investors have fled. Netflix shares have fallen by two-thirds since November, torching nearly $200 billion in market value. Can ads turn things around? At $15.49 a month in America, Netflix's standard plan is the priciest of the main streamers. By contrast, its $6.99 ads included plan, launching next month, will undercut rivals such as Disney Plus and HBO Max. Cost-conscious households may downgrade or sign back up, but as Mr. Hastings knows, there is no longer any easy money in streaming. Florida's Senate Candidates Debate On Tuesday night, Florida's Republican Senator Marco Rubio will face his Democratic challenger, Val Demings, in a debate. The state's race is worth watching, and not just because it could decide control of the Senate. Mr. Rubio is a Cuban-American who has served in the Senate since 2011. Ms. Demings is an African-American congresswoman. Her nomination signals a shift by the Democrats towards more moderate candidates. As a former police chief, she can push back against his claims that she is, quote, dangerously radical. The race also highlights the attention and money pouring into the Sunshine State. Mr. Rubio has raised around $40 million and Ms. Demings around $50 million. But Hurricane Ian has complicated their campaigns, not least because President Joe Biden praised the cleanup efforts of Ron DeSantis, the Republican governor running for re-election. Polls show Mr. Rubio ahead of Ms. Demings by nearly five points. In the debate, he will argue that Florida is a former swing state that has permanently shifted towards Republicans. Voters on November 8th will test that claim. For more about the midterms and the race to control Congress, explore our model at Economist.com. The BBC's 100th Birthday The British Broadcasting Corporation is 100 years old on Tuesday. 
For a century, it has parceled up triumph and disaster, then distributed them to the British and around the world. During the Cold War, it even had a recording ready for use in a nuclear apocalypse. Quote, This country has been attacked with nuclear weapons, announces a silken-voiced newsreader on the now-released recording. In its early days, the BBC employed no journalists. Quote, There is no news, ran one crisp bulletin in 1930. Today, it broadcasts in 42 languages to 492 million people, and its news is trusted worldwide. That contributed to a hugely successful first century for the organization nicknamed Auntie. But its second will probably be less so. A fifth of British young people watch no BBC content at all, arguing that all British households who watch television should pay an annual license fee of £159, or $180 per year, which funds the BBC, will thus become more difficult. This is a birthday with less than a celebratory feel. The Hauntingly Beautiful Tale of Till A new film tells the story of a radically motivated killing remembered as one of the darkest incidents of segregated America. Till, which was released in America on Friday, portrays the horrific murder of Emmett Till, a 14-year-old black boy in Mississippi in 1955. Till's two white killers were later acquitted. Rather than focus solely on the abduction, torture, and shooting of Till, the film centers on the victim's mother, Mamie Till Mobley, as she frets over his trip from Chicago to segregated Mississippi, learns of his death, endures the trial of his killers, and eventually becomes a civil rights campaigner. Danielle Deadweiler delivers a strong performance as Mamie. She is joined by many well-known black actors. Whoopi Goldberg plays the mother. Chinoya Chukwu, the director, handles the toughest moments, including a full-body shot of Emmett Till's mangled and bloated body with sensitivity. The film is worth viewing, both for its historical import as well as for its artistry. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, Tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What American cultural institution was established by President John Adams on April 24, 1800? Monday. Which credit card used the slogan, quote, don't leave home without it? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ingeborg Bachmann, who died on this day in 1973. No, I don't take any drugs. I take books. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. <laughs>